You are listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Steve Angel. On the other end of the line tonight, I've got Mr. Nick View. How's it going, Nick? Oh, it's going good, Steve. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you too, sir. You uh, you still got a little bit of uh, hunting left to go. I know you was telling me on Facebook you're you're trying to do a little hunting out where your um, where your job or pretty close to where your job is. I don't want to go into too many details there, but I'm, yeah, I want I want to uh, I got a I got some opportunity to hunt on university land uh, as part of their um, the arborist deer culling program. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, it's a it's a faculty uh, only program, faculty and staff, and uh, bow hunting only. And it start started uh, Sunday, and um, it goes till the first. So, you know, there's some good spots there to hunt, and I, I did a little scouting um, and uh, talked to the arborists a bit, and and uh, talked to you a bit about it and how you'd set up and uh, I think I got a pretty good plan for today and tomorrow and then we're headed we're headed up north well I'll, so uh, I'll be honest looking at the, the map that you sent me over a couple of those spots yeah I, I would be excited about going in there it looks like uh looks like it could be a a, a pretty good place to to set up and get a, a late season deer now that being said based on the success I've put you on in the past you probably want to go and hunt a different area than what I even told you but <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, um, I think, I think it's going to be good. Um, every, especially driving around the last couple of days, it's been a little warmer. The sun's been out and they're, the deer are definitely staging up right on the edge of, of the fields around here and, um, they're moving into the fields to eat. Gotcha. So, and they're, and they're there every night around five, five thirty. So I'm thinking that actually, actually no, around four thirty they're there. So I'm thinking I get in early enough tomorrow in the afternoon, it's going to be a good set if I pick the right spot. But if the wind's the way it should be, it should be good. So um, I'll, I'll hunt that a little bit, hunt up north a little bit, and I'll hunt. Um, I'll go back to Grand Valley and hunt there till the 1st. So, so your season ends on the 1st? Season ends on the 1st, yep. Um, I've gotten until the 13th, so our season runs a couple of weeks longer, but I really don't know how much I'll even get out. I know the you know our local – traditional club north georgia traditional our shoot start up the sixth the first sunday um so you know i'll be i'll be tied up with that all that weekend i might get out a little bit the following weekend but um well in, in the words of mr taggart i see you had enough <laughs> <laughs> it's been a good season i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty you pleased. should be pretty pleased and then we've got the uh the MLA banquet coming up in February, so I'll get to head up there and see you and a bunch of other people up there in Michigan. And then uh, March, got the the uh, Camp Hambush hog hunt in South Carolina. So gonna be a lot, gonna be a busy. Even after the holidays, it's gonna be a busy few months. Mm-hmm. So it will be, but all good stuff. But on the uh, we got a we got a pretty exciting guest on the on the line. It's uh, in fact I've been talking to this gentleman since really early uh in the podcast because i know you and i both have have known this gentleman for for quite some time we'll get into some of the the backstory of of how we all know each other but on the other end of the line we've got mr hendry javier of kashtuk bowcraft how's it going buddy all right steve nick good to be here <laughs> we're glad to we're glad to have you i know we've been going back and forth about getting you on this the show for quite some time but uh in fact we i think we drug you away from 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 some crafts tonight didn't we yeah i've been pretty busy uh making bows and uh right in the middle of building a flintlock and uh 
lately, because of the Christmas uh, holiday, people are ordering my uh, Hawaiian uh, bone fish hooks. So I've been pretty busy today, all day. So I'll probably get back to it after I get off get off the line here with you guys pretty soon. Well, we'll we'll try not to we'll try not to keep you too long because um, I and I do want to I actually want to talk quite a bit about a lot of the things that you do uh, craft because you've got some some pretty unique uh, not only unique styles that you bring into some of these things sure. that you produce but the materials are a little bit different than than the norm too but uh, before we get ahead of ourselves. Um, I know you, you know, like I said, me and Nick, we got to know you uh, through the, the magazine that was out years ago. Ned Miller used to uh, produce called yeah, Stick and Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, they did an interview with me, and um, that was pretty cool. That was the first, uh, first uh, sign of my knowledge of anyone interested in having, you know, listened to anything I had to say about anything. <laughs> but it was fun. It was cool, you know. Yeah, that was a good interview too. I mean, you were just kind of you were. Yeah, you were I was just, just getting, getting your started, start at the time, and um, again, you know, I, I used to post a lot of things on Facebook when I first got started, and uh, um, Ned reached out to me and wanted to know if I wanted to interested in doing an interview, and uh, I said sure, and uh, he asked me a bunch of questions, and before you knew it, the thing was on uh, Stick and String magazine. It was pretty awesome. I. I got a couple of copies of that thing laying around somewhere. I <laughs> showed them to everybody. It was pretty fun. It was good. <laughs> yeah, so so do I. I got a little mm-hmm. shelf downstairs that's got all those because I edited yeah. a lot of those and uh, and wrote in a lot of those. So um, it was it was pretty. You know, actually, my I I think I think some of my um, my first stories yeah are in are in that magazine. So that was a really good time and working with. Uh, Working with Ned was fun, and Steve, you had some you had some articles in those too, didn't you? Yeah, that was that was some of the first writing I did as well. Was in that magazine. A lot of the, in fact, I think all of the ones that I actually uh, wrote for the magazine ended up on the Simply Traditional website. So they're all still out there. But but yeah, there was a mm-hmm. lot of people that that got started doing a little writing and blogging because of that that publication. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, it was kind of disappointing to to see that thing go away, you know, because um, I was really interested in that mag too. Yep, and he w- he would have kept it going, oh, and, sure. and, and you know, it's a the magazine's a tough thing to run. I mean, yeah. you know, and he he was putting a lot of time into it. There there was a lot of time going into those mags, yeah. and he just I know just was not making enough from it. But um, you know, that was really cool that we're all kind of connected that way. And and you know, Hendry, I've been following you for a long time now. I know Steve has too. You guys have been talking more. Yeah, but yeah. I, you know, Instagram, Facebook, all that. You know, checking out your checking out your bows and and the the arrows and the broadheads and and all that. So it's kind of fun to see you go from the board bows at the beginning and and how how you kind of you got a style going and then moved on from that. So you, um, how about can you t- can you tell us a little bit about how you got into this whole thing and like maybe your hunting background? Sure. Well, I've been uh, hunting since uh, I was a small kid. You know, my uncle used to bring us out all the time and usually uh it was him with the gun and we were just following being the bird chasers for him <laughs> but um yeah ever since as young as i can remember we're we're out with him and then sooner or later i went and got my own gun and and uh basically living down here in uh, southern california um most of the hunting that we do has been for birds you know quail ducks things like that and um or just rabbits and stuff and uh i didn't really get into doing any deer hunting until i became much older probably about 
28, 29, almost 30 years old, you know. But um, uh, most of my uh, time in the field has been with uh, hunting birds and, and ducks and stuff. And um, let's see, how I got into bow making, I've like, like anything else, I've always been interested in that kind of stuff. And I've always, I know some people who are woodworkers for a living, and I've always tried to get them, talk them into making a bow, you know. And um, I would always say, you know, making a bow is much more exciting than making a bookshelf or bookcase, you know, or bed frame. Why don't you guys make a bow? <laughs> and um, <laughs> they would just brush it off. And sooner or later, it just came to a point, you know, I'm going to make a bow. My, I'm going to make my own bow. So I, I made a, a, probably 10 or 12 tries before I made my first successful bow. And... Um, then sooner before you knew it, I was making bows for everybody in my family, all every everyone, every male in my family, and a few uh, of my nieces and stuff now have Kashtuk uh, longbows, and um, you know my shop just grew bigger and bigger. And sooner or later, the wife says, "You know what? You're spending all this money on making bows. You better start selling them." <laughs> and uh, that's that's how Kashtuk <laughs> longbows was uh, Kashtuk bowcraft was born. <laughs> So where did the where did the name come from? Kashtuk is the uh, Native American name for Castaic. That's the town that I live in. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Castaic, California. Yeah, and uh, it, it it means uh, it means eyes. That's why on my logo it has those eyes on my logo. And um, yeah, that's what Castaic is. The uh, Kashtuk is the Indian name for uh, Castaic. So that's. That's how I named my company. Very cool, very cool. And I actually still have, um, I still have that. That uh, I think it's I can't remember if it's hickory. I think it's hickory. The yeah, hickory hickory board bow. And uh, yeah, Steve was my very first customer about five six years ago. Really? <laughs> yeah, he was. He was my first client, and uh, I would always be grateful for that. You know what? First I honestly did not know in what that. I had to make. Yeah, that's that's true. Well, I wouldn't let you know that because, uh, you know, you got to know that, you you know, oh, yeah, I've been building bows. I make you a great bow, you know, but Steve was my first customer. So I'm glad that bow has still survived after all this time. It, you know what? And I still take it out and shoot it just uh, at at random. I've actually hunted with it a few times. I've, um, I've never actually been successful in, in, in taking an animal with it, but I've, I've hunted with it quite a bit, actually, uh, mostly late season. Um, and, and you remember what you named the bow? Uh, Angel. Garden Angel. Garden Angel. Yes, that's yeah. exactly right. Yep, Guardian Angel. Right. I yep. name all the Kashtuk bows. So if you buy a bow from me, it'll have a unique name that nobody else ever had. I never named the same bow twice. I've got I've I've got about uh, I've probably got about a hundred bows out there. That's very all cool. With different names. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. I hope I hope you're keeping a spreadsheet then. <laughs> I do. I have a. I actually have a spreadsheet of all the names. So I look at that and I always try to think. And and, and the name the the name of the bow uh, pretty much comes to me when I when I, as I'm building it. You know, I, I don't know where what I'm going to name the bow. Like in fact, I'm building a bow right now. I have no idea what I'm going to name it. But after it's done, somehow I just it just comes to me, and then of course I look at the Excel spreadsheet to see if I've ever used it before, and and, uh, and then that's what that bow get named. You know, it, it 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 typically the name of the bow typically either 
uh, has to do something with with the client and because I, I I talk to the clients all the time and I always send them uh, you know status updates on the on their build I send them pictures and stuff of how everything's going and because of that I, I start to learn and know uh, know the client and uh, sometimes I might name the bow after something that you know that 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 interests me about them or I'll name the bow you know. Uh, because of whatever problems I've run into with the bow or, or depending on the style of bow that he like say, say for instance, if they want a snakeskin backing on the bow, I'll name it uh, something that has to do with, uh, with snakes, you know, like Viper's wrath or something like that. But um, yeah, every, every name, every bow name is unique and there are no two uh, the same name. Very interesting. And your bows have a really unique style too, Hendry. Uh, can you can you talk about what kind of bows you do you like to make uh, the most, or what styles you you know, and, and kind of you know, they're they're board bows, correct? Are you is that is that what they are? Yeah, the, the bows that I, I sell are are board board bows, but I do make bows from staves, and I usually the ones that I make from staves I, I usually keep for myself, or I'll make them I'll make them and then I'll list them for sale, but I don't do that many that I sell. Um, and you know, I, I've been making bows for I don't know. I've been doing business for about five years, five or six years, but I've been making bows for probably close to ten years now. And um, I've made hundreds of board board, board bows. And um, and you know, even though I've been making bows, you know, there is nothing that I make that hasn't already been made for thousands of years. But what I try to do with mine is when I when I sell them or when I uh, uh, make them is try to put there, there's a a a, a style that I want to try to maintain when I'm making the bows as a finished product, and with that you know I try to make them look uh, as primitive as I can or or I, I I can't really put my finger on it but. I can tell, like, when someone's, if I see a picture or a video of someone shooting one of my bows, I know exactly that that's, I made that bow. I know that that's my bow. And um, uh, there's just a, a certain look and feel to them that, that uh, I, I try to uh, uh, put into to making them that, that, that uh, is hopefully unique uh, to that bow and to my style so that when people get them, you know they'll appreciate them even more. You know, you know I, I try yeah. not to to copy. I I don't want to copy what you know what 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 you see out in the market today. You know, I I, I always try to do it my own way. You know, yeah. I don't know. I, I I can't really explain it, but no. But believe you- me, when when you spend the time making something. And then now you got to give it up. <laughs> I want to take something. I want to put something of mine in there, you know, and so so it goes with it, you know. Well, yeah, and you can tell. You can tell they're yours. You can oh, pick yeah. them out of a lineup. Um, you're right. I mean, it's hard, and it would be hard for me to yeah. describe what makes your bows different too. But they definitely have a look and feel to them that yeah. are are definitely characteristic of you and. and as the as the maker like they have they have a mark they have a maker's mark on them it's just you're right it's kind of like being asked like well who are you you know tell me who you are <laughs> you know that's really that would be hard to describe but when i see those i say that's one that right and and you know and i suppose any builder or any artist of anything you know does that you know they they all put their own touch or the 
you know, their own feeling into the thing that they're making. In you know, like even a singer, if you're singing a song, you know, they have their own way of singing the song, and, and it makes it theirs, you know, and uh, and that's what I try to do, and I, that's what I try to pass along when I when I sell a bow or sell anything, you know, it's it's just having it be unique in its own way, and 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 what's even better is the fact that whoever receives it can see that as well and uh i think that's what makes me feel good is 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 the uh the interest and the uh appreciation that people have for the work that i do that's the only thing really that uh keeps me going because you know what i ain't gonna get no be no millionaire doing what (laughs) (laughs) building building bows and building guns that's for sure well and you're also doing um you and and as far as i remember you've been doing these about as long as i've known you as well the, the the primitive uh arrows and more importantly, the, the, the bone broadheads and the bone knives yeah. that you're building, too. Yeah, and uh, there you go. There's another one of those uh, stylistic uh, things. I, I don't know that I, I've seen a lot of uh, people or companies out there that actually make the bone knives and the bone arrowheads. I know that they've been made. I know that they've existed for thousands of years. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm always trying to find that little... Uh, niche within this community that would stand out you know and and be interesting to people who would want to 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 have that sort of thing you know and um uh, doing the uh, bone arrowheads was really uh uh really enjoyable to me because i i've sold hundreds of those and um i see people actually using them and 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 uh, being successful with them the bone knives as well they're they're pretty, uh, you know, they're really a unique type of thing. And, and usually around this time, Christmas time, those things sell like hotcakes. And um, not to focus on the selling, but I'm just saying that they're very popular and people like them. So I'm making them. And uh, um, uh, I really, uh, and, and in doing so, you know, that, that also keeps with the cash took style that I'm trying to, incorporate into all those into all those crafts you know like even the bone knives and the bone arrowheads i mean i can look at an arrowhead simple triangle piece of bone and know hey that's one of mine (laughs) you know or i can look at a bone knife you know i every once in a while i'll google images of bone knives ain't none of those none of those pictures look like my bone knife and um it's unique it's one of it's a one of a kind thing you know and uh and uh all cash took uh Items that I make are intended for use, so you buy a knife, you can use it. So what 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 prompted you to go with bone? Um, it was easier for me to work than stone, <laughs> and um, it uh, it uh, it um, I don't know. It just it was just a, 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 a an idea that I had a spur of the moment thing. I you know what I I have. A, a lot of little nephews. I got a big family, right? Filipino family. And I have a lot of nephews. They've all grown up now, but there's always another one, another nephew that's interested in doing all this kind of stuff. So one day I had a nephew over and, uh, you know, I just had, you know, dog bone lying around the house. I got dogs too, you know, and uh, he used to always be over my shoulder watching what I was doing, you know, always, you know, kids, you know, eight years old, you know, and, um, I go watch. Let's you know. Let's make let's make something out of this bone. So I, I just decided to make an arrowhead out of it. You know, and I go wow. You know, took it to the belt sander. I'm just showing him all this stuff. I didn't really think anything of it. And uh, 
I made the arrowhead. I go, man, this is this is pretty cool, you know. Because to me, I'm thinking, wow, this is cool. I, I'm like the eight year old now. <laughs> and um, and I made one. Then I made another one. And then I made another one. Then before you know it, I made myself a dozen arrows. And I'm out in the backyard shooting these things into a target, and not none of them are breaking. And um, you know, doing research and things like that on my own, knowing full well that you know they've had to have used bone back in the day. And uh, found out that they did, and uh, I started, uh, uh, you know, incorporating uh, the bone broadheads into my uh, arrow making, and um, those sell very well as well, or the interest is very high in those as well, you know. In fact, I just got a, a thing on Facebook, a message, a guy wants to buy a dozen bone arrowheads, so I'll be making those pretty shortly too. And you've said you do, you, you've got customers that have actually hunted with them and been successful with the bone heads. Yeah, they they've uh, they sent me pictures and um, uh, you know they've taken deer with them. I've taken pigs with mine, you know, and um, they 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 drill right into them. You know, you just got to keep them sharp. You know, they 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 still have a point on them and they'll still kill whatever it is you shoot at. But you know, of course, with bone, you know, you got to sharpen them every once in a while or very often, in other words, and. Um, um, but they're good, you know. They're they're one time uh, shot, just like a stone point is. You know, you you, you got these really nice, finely crafted, uh, napped uh, stone arrowheads, and um, you know when you take a shot, there's no telling what's going to happen to that thing once it hits, right? So it could break, or you could use it again. Same thing like bone, you know. Um, it's the same thing, you know. You, you could either break it or uh, when it hits something, but. Um, Every pig that I've shot with my bone arrow has died. One shot. They're sharp. They'll do the job. <laughs> the the bad thing about it is if you if you miss and hit a rock, then chances are you'll probably break the head. But that's why you carry a whole quiver full of arrows, right? <laughs> <laughs> Try not to shoot at the rocks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Henry, let's back up a little bit and let's talk about your bows. What uh, what kind of materials you got going in there? Um, are you using hickory or are you using, uh, yeah, the board bows, the board bows, bows that I build are all, uh, hickory bows, hickory, uh, board bows, but can I say that thing three times? <laughs> hickory, hickory board bows. And I've got, you know, a hickory riser on them. I don't really use the, uh, I used to use walnut, uh, risers. I think on Steve, I, I might've put a walnut one on yours when I first made you one, but, I used to put walnut risers on them, but then it was too easy to tell that there was a walnut riser on the board bow. Right. And um, I changed that back to hickory because I wanted it to look like a one piece of wood type of deal. And uh, and when you stain it, it looks like one piece of wood. And um, uh, and uh, so so that's what that is, you know. And then sometimes I'll put uh, the the one I'm building now. I've got a rawhide backing on it. This guy wanted a 65 pound bow, so I put a rawhide backing on it just to make sure it doesn't uh, split or crack. And uh, I also use uh, snake skins too. You know, if they want to put a snake skin on there, I, I, I put rattlesnake skin on them. I'll also put uh, uh, buffalo horn uh, tip overlays on them. The one I'm building right now has tip overlays on it as well. And um, so that's basically it, you know, just simple piece of wood, you know, and um, but it's got this cash stick style. I promise you that. <laughs> oh, you know, what I also do, too, with the, with the fiber, with the uh, with the uh, rawhide backing, sometimes they want to have a uh, uh, 
uh, you know artwork on the backing you know so uh, I'll do uh, I'll do a lot of times I'll just do uh, simple geometric uh, patterns on there but most of the patterns that I make are whether this is historically correct or not I just like the way it looks but I'll, I'll put like a uh, like a tribal Hawaiian uh, look on there you know so it'll still look uh, you know primitive but it's got the Hawaiian uh, Hawaiian touch on there too it's pretty cool you know <laughs> I like it <laughs> oh I, I was actually going to ask you what the uh, I, I you know like the drawings on the front of your bow and I thought that you know, I usually see them with like diamonds or pyramids yeah. and stuff like that. And I wanted to ask you what the significance was if you were inspired by anything, uh, any of the Native American bows or anything from the like the traditional Bowyer's Bible stuff or any particular styles yeah. or anything yeah, like I, that. Yeah, I, I, I like those styles. Um, again, you know, in, in in putting the Kashtuk style on there, I I, I pretty much just stick to the uh, to the uh, uh, Pacific Island type. Uh, uh, artwork type of artwork, you know, um, with the in, in in the Pacific Islands like Hawaii and stuff, you know, triangles typically means warrior or or uh, hunter, you know. So I'll use a lot of triangles in mine, and uh, I just do what 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 looks good to me, you know. Uh, try to keep uh, the amount of colors. I think I, I never hardly ever use more than one or two colors on on a bow. Um, Keep it simple, but but make them make it look really sharp and make it look uh, unique. I, I always try to put a different type of uh, artwork on the bows too, uh, but that's getting a little bit more difficult to do. But <laughs> um, uh, when you get a bow, you know that it's yours, and uh, I can guarantee that none of your friends will have it. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have any that you've made in particular that you just this is your bow and you use it all the time and you hunt with it and and uh... Uh, actually, yeah, you know, I, I've made hundreds of bows but i only own one bow of mine and um it's a bow that i was gonna sell but it had a big knot in the back and um and i ended up keeping it for myself i kept shooting and shooting and it didn't break so uh what i did i just wrapped some rawhide around that knot and that's the bow i've been using for the last uh four or five years now for uh, for the longest time yeah i've got oh, wow. i actually have three bows that i've made and uh, the first one uh i kind of retired after i shot my deer and uh i went to washington a couple three years ago and i i shot a, a deer you know sitting in a tree, tree stand and um uh, i shot it with that bow and then i i retired it that, that that's kind of what i told myself i go if i shoot if I kill a deer with any one of these things, I'll retire it and I'll move on to another bow. So now I'm on my second bow. The, the, I had three bows, but the other one's a long bow that I, I just target shoot with. I haven't even taken that. I'm looking at it right now. I haven't even shot that thing in a long time. But the bow that I use for myself is, is, is actually a, 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 what do they call that? A, a reject bow. <laughs> and I just kept it for myself. You know, I didn't have the heart to throw it away. You know, I just... I'll just shoot it till it breaks, and it's been working ever since. <laughs> now, Washington State was that was that a blacktail? Yeah, blacktail. My buddy uh, awesome. invited me up there. I think it was about three years ago or so. I went up there, and we stayed in a. He's got a big old teepee in his on his property, and uh, he's got about fifteen or so acres up there, and it was wooded, thick trees all over the place. It was beautiful up there. I think I want to move up there. But, um, it was basically a rainforest. Yeah, it was in uh, Squim, Washington, upper, 
western corner of the state. And um, uh, I got a deer that year. We all got a deer that year, and um, it was fun. You know, in fact, it's on my YouTube channel <laughs> as the introduction there. You'll, you'll see something mm-hmm. on there with that. But uh, that was fun. I was a, that was a, a good time. I'll be sure to put uh, links for your website and for the YouTube channel uh, in the show notes as well for the for the podcast. But so that was that was with one of your bows. Now was it with one of your primal uh, arrows as uh, well? Actually, I it was uh, I made the arrow, but I had a, a Zawiki uh, broadhead on there. Yeah. Okay, I was getting there, but it was one of your it was one of your wood <laughs> arrows, but you just had a. Yeah, it was one of my wood arrows. Yeah, it was one of my wood arrows. And you know, it's funny. It was as a secondary thought. I had the bone arrowheads there, but I go, you know what? I drove up here, you know, 6,000 miles or however far away it is. We drove from Los Angeles to Squim. I think it took us about 16 hours to get up there. (laughs) Yeah, it's a long drive. (laughs) um, Yeah, me me and my son went. And, uh, well, I was thinking, well, if we get something, you know, we can't put it on the plane and bring it back because I'm bringing that meat back, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so it was just a secondary thought. I had my my, uh, Castric Primal in my bow, and I go, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna take the Zwicky out because I, you know, like I said, I drove all that way. I'm gonna make sure that I kill something, and um, and within uh, 15 minutes, uh, taking out that Zwicky, that deer crossed our path, and I shot him. It was it was cool. It was awesome. It was a great shot, <laughs> right through the heart. And then you hung the bow on the tree and you said, "I'm done," and so are you. <laughs> yeah. No, well, the thing was, is my son stayed. Okay, so we got it. We cleaned it out and everything, and. During the time that we were uh, uh, processing the deer, my son stayed in his stand, and uh, me and my buddy we just went sightseeing the rest of the day. <laughs> it was cool. It was it was fun. He, uh, my son, got a shot at one too. A nice shot, and um, uh, it was definitely a trip. That's the first time I've been out of state hunting, and that's the first time I've ever had a, a, a finite like we were there for five days, and I got my deer on the second day. And, um, but that was the first time I went somewhere knowing that I was going to go hunt, knowing I only had a certain amount of time and actually got one, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, usually when I'm hunting down here, it's like, man, I got to get it. It's a day, two days, three days at most, you know, and, uh, it's over the weekend, you know, it, 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 we try to plan it and, and plan it. But, um, going up to Washington, you know, we had that one thing in mind to do and, um, down here, you know, you go hunt, you might not get anything. You can always go back the following day or the next weekend right, or whatever. Right. You, you've mm-hmm. got the whole season to play around. But in Washington, uh, that was the first time I ever went somewhere knowing I had to go back. You know, we were only going to be here for till Friday or whatever. And, um, and actually being able to not only get one but actually see them, take our pick, and then shoot one when we had, when we had the chance. It was, it was a very successful trip for us. Well, great. What's the name of that bow that you shot it with? The name of that bow is called Black Cloud. Oh, that's an awesome name too, Black Cloud. You got a black tail. And, uh, yeah, because I, I, uh, I, it was it was stained black, and I finished it during duck season, and I hunt with Black Cloud shot shells when I shoot huh. ducks. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I love I love so, bow names. Yeah. I know some people don't like to do that, but I'm. I'm a sucker for it, man. I, I yeah, they're, they're always a. I, I, you know what? Me too. And and when I first started, I go, yeah, that, that's cool. That you know, people 
name their bows and i thought you know i'll name my bows and i you know it's it's just something that i've done in the beginning and i've carried it on to this day every bow like i said it's their own name no two are the same my, my bow <laughs> names are cooler than nick's bow names <laughs> I, was, I don't even remember steve's bow name so i don't know about that <laughs> yeah i do he's got some pretty cool bow well and, well, and, and to be fair i have like three bows <laughs> <laughs> you, yes, you he's a got a thousand bows. No, I don't have a thousand, but I've I've got more yeah. than three. I, you know, uh, I I I I, I so. guess I can have as many bows as I want because I make them. But you know, like even like I said, I, I've only got three of my own bows, and I have one Samet that my friend gave me that I'm I first started shooting that thing, going hunting with that thing uh, last year. You know, because uh, you know, my friend gave it to me, so I, I I'm taking it hunting with me, and I I've been that's the only that's the only laminate or modern bow that I have is that Samick. But everything else is all just the wooden bows, you know? You know, it's it's pretty it's pretty common, though, Hendry, for bowyers to have, like, one bow they made. Yeah. Always, <laughs> I don't know how many bowyers we've talked to, Steve, have, like, they have one bow and it's the mutt. Yeah, it's the one they could. It's the one they couldn't sell, or the one they didn't. They couldn't throw out and fix. Well, it's kind. It's they kind keep. of like the. And and I don't know, if Nick. You you probably didn't have this growing up, but when I was growing up, you always had the the local shade tree mechanic. You know, it was the the guy in the, in the in the neighborhood that could fix anything and drove the biggest pile of crap you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> but he but he could keep it going. You know, I mean, it was just you. You knew he was a good mechanic because. This thing shouldn't even be able to to carry him up and down the road, but but it did. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty cool. It's it's you know, and I've been I've been dabbling in the in the primitive stuff back and forth. And I'll be honest, um, I'm 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 now I think I'm about ready now to actually you know build some some cane arrows with stone points and and that'll probably be my my goal for next year is to yeah i saw i saw that uh i saw that uh post that you did on uh facebook you killed a uh deer with a uh, primitive bow that was awesome uh, it you know what i don't think i've uh, i was texting nick the whole time i don't think i've ever been it's been a long time since i've gotten that that rattled at anything um so that that was this this past saturday um I went back to a property that Nick hunted with me a good bit, uh, well, for two straight days back in November. Um, I got there that morning, and it was the rain was supposed to be over. It was still raining, and I sat in the truck for, I don't know, an hour and a half, and it had actually almost gotten, you know, shooting light. And I said, if I'm, I've, I've driven two hours, I'm gonna, if I'm going to hunt, I'm going to hunt. So I, I, I gathered my gear up, and... Uh, I had planned to hunt out of a tree stand, and it was still raining, so I said, you know, I'm not carrying the stand and the sticks and everything. I knew there was um, some some tree laps where they'd done some select cutting a couple of years ago. I said, I can just find a you know the top out of one of these old oaks or something. I can climb up in that, and I can hunt. So that's what I did, and it proceeded to continue raining for another two hours and um, just happened to catch movement about 8.45, and this uh, I thought it was a – I thought it was an eight. I had seen a little basket eight on that property before, and that's what I thought he was. But you know, he he was about forty five yards out. I blew a grunt call, and he one time, and he he didn't rush in, but it caught his attention. He turned and started coming towards me, and I said, "This joker might give me a shot." And uh, I didn't step it off, and I I keep going back and looking. I did a video of the of the recovery. 
I said it was 12 yards, and look at that video. I believe it was less than that. I want to say it was probably closer to 10, but it was real close. Um, and I was shoot. I did the same thing. I was shooting um, Magnus, Magnus heads, and as this one turned out, if I'd been shooting bone, it would have been – he didn't drop at all. Um, I was thinking, you know, he's going to drop this close, and – I, I was aiming for the heart and he didn't drop a bit and it caught the knuckle, but it, it, it completely, it completely shattered it and still went through the heart and actually punctured the, the, um, uh, the shoulder on the other side. So it, it, it didn't, it did a number wow. on him. I was really kind of, kind of shocked. And mm-hmm. like I said, I was still, even when I was doing the, the video recording, I was still just shaking. My breathing was heavy. I was all, I was all rattled. <laughs> so now was it because of the, was it because of the bow or because of how close? No, I think it was just the, I think it was just the experience of it. I mean, he was close, but I've, he was, I've, I've actually, the closest I've ever shot a deer on the ground was eight yards. So I've yeah, had him you, closer. You, 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 you've killed a lot of deer and, um, but that's the first one you'd shot with a primitive bow. It, it was the first one I've shot with a primitive bow. And it was, I think the biggest part of it, this was a, um, Eastern Woodland mm-hmm. Indian style bow. It bent through the handle about as, about as primitive of a self bow as you can get. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sure. No, no shelf. And, uh, and it just, yeah, it was just, I, I think it was the whole experience. Uh, it was, and I, I'll be honest when I saw him coming in, I sat there and got myself worked up. I mean, <laughs> That was more of it than anything. I was sitting there getting myself worked up, which I normally don't do. So yeah, yeah, because uh, it all depends on on the uh, on the the tool that you're using, and and I've found that, and that's why that's what 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 drew me to the primitive bows and, and bow hunting and, and even muzzle loading is is to use those old tools uh, to do that sort of thing. Because it, you know what, there's just something different about doing anything with those things hunting or just shooting or just you know looking at them and just uh appreciating the you know the mechanics of it um that's always been appealing to me and i always uh always like that sort of thing you know and and for sure i i know that shooting uh you know hunting with a primitive bow or even with a flintlock you know it, it when you take when you when you get an opportunity to shoot and you're able to shoot and then be successful at it, I mean, it, it, there's just no other feeling in the world I, that there's no just no other feeling in the world that you can have doing that that thing um, with those old 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 technologies. It's just uh, it's just uh, I always feel good about that sort of thing, you know. Even shooting, you know, jackrabbits out in the desert with my flintlock, you know quail hunting with my flintlock you know i i can easily go out there with my 12 gauge and 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 get you know however many birds whatever the limit is but you know i'm happy with one or two (laughs) with my flintlock you know i'm ready to go home we're we're (laughs) gonna get to your flintlocks in a minute uh don't get don't get ahead of us because that's i was gonna uh, say we got to talk about that now well well, but what i was trying to elaborate on was steve's jitters that he had when he was out there hunting with that deer um I'm feeling those jitters now just talking to you about it. <laughs> well, you know what? It's 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 kind of funny because yeah, like it's, it worked. <laughs> I know I felt the same way when I shot my first deer with a bow, you know, 30 plus years ago. Um, um, I know I was that way. The first deer I ever shot with a traditional bow, um, uh, I shot I shot a doe and I thought I'd missed her. She she took a few hops, 
looked back and went back to eating and I'm sitting there going, I just, I just missed. And before I could get another arrow knock, she stumbled and went down and I, I went to pieces. I had to actually, I had to actually hold on to the tree. My knees got shaking so hard. Um, and, and the same thing happened with this one, but I can tell you right now, I know I want to hunt with the primitive stuff some more, but it didn't, it didn't shake my love for my hill style bows either. I'll, I'll, I'll probably end up hunting with some of both before the end of the season. I've got about a month left. So, yeah, I mean, it's just different. I mean, I, I took a few years ago. Um, well, actually, before my second daughter, Mackenzie, was born, I got into making bows, and Ned actually sold me a, um, a hickory blank, and, uh, and I made a, a bow, and I still have it. I call it Goliath, and um, I, uh, I stained it and um, put a riser on it, and uh, it's got black, like, burn mark looking like stain marks on it all the way up and down it, and I've hunted with it. Well, when I first made it, it was like it was like a sixty, it was like a sixty-eight inch bow, right? A sixty-eight inch flat bow, and um, then I it was too like it was too light. So what I ended up doing is chopping like two inches off each side or something like that. So it it stiffened up real quick and it developed a little bit of a set, um, but it shoots, it shoots real well. And um, I took it out twice a few years ago in the late season. And it was a totally different feeling to have that hickory bow in my lap. Like, and I, and, and I put, um, I actually glued turkey feathers to the front of it, like one long turkey feather on each, on each end. And they stayed, I don't know how, but I tight bond them on there and they stayed. And I've, I've been telling myself I need to get out and hunt with that bow, but it felt totally different. It felt like the first time I'd ever been in the woods with a bow. Yeah. I, I, I really can't, put my finger on the, the feeling that you have but it's it's a uh, it's just different you know like I, i'll take like i said I've, I've been shooting with my samic uh you know hunting with my samic and um it's not the same it's, you're different you're just in a different state of mind you know when, when it's the same thing is is like you know when you're hunting with a rifle and hunting with a bow you know you're in a different state of mind you got you got to get closer you know you got to be more quieter and and with a with a stick bow or, or a primitive bow, you know you you got to get even closer and be more quiet, you know. And it's just uh, I don't know. It's it's just a uh, it just interests me to to do things like that the old school way, you know. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, a squirrel ran by and the hair on the back of my neck went up and like oh yeah, it was like totally different experience. It was cool. It was cool. And I can t- you know Steve and it, you know Steve's had some Steve's had these bows like you said for a while. And 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 Steve, what do you think was the you know, not to go too off on a tangent, but what do you think is the uh, the reason why you didn't hunt with them before? I know I think it's with you. Your soul, you know, everything you got your setup, you got everything's precise. You want to make sure you you get a lethal shot on that animal, and and you have the most ef- effective setup there is. Is was it just kind of a barrier of I just got to get one under my belt with a traditional bow? Um, no. Get a little more confidence with it, or or no, I don't think it was that. I mean, it's uh, I've. <sighs> And I've had a I've had a pretty good season. I think that was probably as much of it as anything. As I I felt like I had some extra time this this year to get out and actually dedicate some effort mm-hmm. to it. It was several things that kind of came together. I had a guy contact me on uh, the simply traditional page. It was it started making uh, hickory shafts. Um, so I thought, you know what, a hickory bow, hickory shafts. That that would be a great little combination to put together. So I had him send me some and. 
took a a little bit of figuring out as far as the spine because again there's no shelf so you got a lot more paradox you have to work with but once i got the right era set up and you know it's funny i would i would have taken a shot with with that with that eastern woodland bow just as far as i would have with my with my uh saint charles bow out to 15 17 yards i had no uh, no worries whatsoever about pretty much hitting wherever I wanted to, and it didn't. It didn't take just a you know a week to really get tuned in with it. So yeah, that's that's the key is having a good arrow. You know, like like I always say, you know, any any stick can become a bow, but the key to to being good with it is having a good arrow. You know, you got to have the right arrow for that bow to be able to be. Mm-hmm. You know, to have the confidence that you're going to reach out there sure. and get something. You yeah, know? you get, yeah, you got that set up, and then your your confidence goes up dramatically. That's yeah. for sure. So anyway, that's 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 all, Nick. It wasn't, you know, and I, like I said, I've hunted I've hunted with them off and on. In fact, it's kind of funny. I was sitting here thinking about the times I've carried um, the bow that I got from you out, Hendry, and the last time I carried that bow out, um, and Nick knows the Nick knows the area I'm talking about. I was hunting on McGraw Ford WMA. And there was a there was a little pinch point next to the river, and um, a big oak had been taken down years ago. And when it took that oak down, it created just a natural, perfect little pit blind right on the side of this pitch point. And I went up. That's where I was going to hunt that morning. I got in there real early and got everything set up. And and I remember I was sitting there in the dark, and I I went to do something. I can't even remember what I went to do now, but my hands my hand was wet and i couldn't figure out what i'd gotten on my hand and turned my flashlight back on and somewhere along the line i'd i'd hit my broadhead and was just bleeding all over everything i had blood all up my arms and all over my clothes and and i never even felt this thing and i was like wow uh oh uh stoss 160 head on some cedar shafts but it it tore me up it took me like 20 minutes to get the stupid thing to stop bleeding and Huh. Uh, but I think that was the last that was the last time I hunted with that. It's only been a year or so ago. Well, and the reason why I brought it up is because there's always like you always hear people say this. I mean, we've all heard this where, you know, the compound guy who shoots mm-hmm. a longbow too or a recurve will say, well, you know, I'm going to get one down with my compound then I'm going to I'm going to take the recurve out the rest of the season or the rifle hunter says I'm going to get one with my, with my shotgun, my slug gun. Or my rifle, then I'm going to take the I'm going to take the black powder gun out the rest of the season. Or I'm you know, or maybe you got the the longbow guy takes the, the primitive bow out the rest of the season after they get one down. And what I've always wondered is that if you know the weapon can kill and you and you got the satisfaction that you did out of that weapon, why do you think people? tend to go with the why do you think they have more confidence in the other thing first before they go to the second you know what i'm trying to say like i think it's a it's a funny it's a funny hunter's condition but i think you hit it on the head i think it's confidence um you know it's exactly and here's so i'm just give you my 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 example um i shot a full 3d season last year meaning that's at least one 3d shoot local every month uh, the Compton shoot and a few other shoots that I, w- I went to and all the shooting I did in the backyard, every arrow I shot last year was out of the same 64-inch Pacific U classic longbow. So when hunting season rolled around and I was going out west, I just I had a ton of confidence in that bow. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think 
even you know shooting one shooting one one animal successfully and recovering it successfully i think anybody it boosts their confidence so but mm-hmm. I, th- I think it just comes down to what you just said confidence well yeah and that's my that's my yeah. whole thing well go ahead hendry no yeah it is confidence and uh you know the reason why i shoot i i bow hunt and i rifle hunt is because that's what season it is, <laughs> and uh, and you know muzzleloading. We got three seasons out here in California. You got like muzzleloading. You got uh, uh, bow season. You have a general uh, rifle season. And one of the reasons why I got into bow season because rifle season is just too damn crowded, and um, uh, that's why I got into bow. <laughs> started doing more more bow hunting because there's nobody out there. My other my other theory on it too, and I don't know if it's a theory. I mean, it's not like I'm conducting research but (laughs) basically is that you know maybe it's to preserve the newness a little bit too or the experience like if you if you do something a certain way all the time like if if like if steve if you were to hunt with that primitive bow constantly and at some point the freshness would wear off sure it would and and yeah Yeah. and, and it wouldn't be as special as it was when you were hunting with the one bow then switched to the other so there's probably an element of that too. I just always found it ironic that so many people, and I and I actually notice it more with the with the the modern bow hunting crowd, the the compound crowd. Would you know they want to hunt with their compounds? That's fine, but you always hear them say, you know, I got to do that late season sometime, or you know, I'm going to switch to the longbow. And it's like, well, you know, you know, that that thing will kill, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I've shot it. Okay, well, what's stopping you? <laughs> you know, but I guess there's a, um, there's a flip a side to that side too, though. I mean, and I, I know, I don't even remember how long ago it's been, but Jason Sam Koviak talked about it on, on his podcast that, you know, you hear, always hear a lot of people, they'll, they'll get a new bow and, and, you know, for the first month or two months, they've, it's the best bow they ever shot. And then, you know, they, they start getting used to it and then they start getting sloppy with their form and everything else. And their shooting goes to crap. They pick up a new bow and all of a sudden they can, they can shoot really good again. Well, it must be the bow. Right. And I think, I think that plays a part in, in this one too, for me, because it was like, once I got the, once I got an arrow that was tuned, that would fly right out of the bow. I mean, I was Mm. shooting it just as good as anything I've ever shot. Um, but I think I had to get to that point. Mm-hmm. To where I, then the confidence was almost instant. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I sure. I got to get Henry. We got to get back. We got to get to the black powder. I got to hear it because I I know that one. Day, so this is what's funny. One day I'm on Instagram and you know I was following you, and all of a sudden I see this gun build, and I'm like, <laughs> who is this? You know, because I follow some of the other ones like Cabin Creek and stuff. I'm like, no, oh, that's Henry. Yeah. I'm like, what's he doing making guns? Is he still making bows? You know, so I was going through your site and all this stuff, and I'm like, what is he, what's he doing? And so you got to you got to tell us, how did this happen? Like, how did this start? Well, with the muzzleloading, I was actually into muzzleloading before I was heavy into building bows. And, um, you know, I've always loved, you know, when I grew up, like, you know, Steve, maybe you, uh, I don't know about you, Nick, but... Um, Growing up, you know, growing up with the Daniel Boone show, Davy Crockett, you know, uh, watching, you know, Jeremiah Johnson and, uh, you know, all those old movies. And uh, when we when we were kids, we used to go outside and, and play, uh, you know, play guns, Daniel Boone and all that kind of stuff. You know, we all had really long sticks and we always used to pretend they were muzzleloaders. And, and I've always had a love for 
from muzzleloaders and flintlocks. And that, that was always my interest um, before uh, bows came. And, uh, you know, I've had a few uh, uh, muzzleloaders that I've owned. But then, you know, got married and started having kids. And all, all, all of my hobbies and everything kind of went to the wayside, you know. And, and one day I was just sitting there watching, uh, uh, looking at my guns. And I'm thinking I should go out and go out and shoot, you know, go, go out and take these things shooting again. And, um, and, uh, I forgot what I was doing, but I was on, this is back when YouTube first came out or, you know, like it was a long time ago. And, um, for whatever reasons I came upon, uh, some black powder, uh, shooting videos. I don't even remember what it was, what I, what I was doing, but, um, they were showing you how to, how to, uh, you know, all, all the stuff, like how to make your own patch knife and how to do this and do that. Um, uh, mold your own, uh, uh, you know, lead balls and things like that. And, and, uh, it, it really interested me because with seeing that on YouTube, I'm thinking, man, I could, I could do that. And I started doing it. And, um, and, uh, it was through, uh, looking at all the YouTube videos about muzzle loading. I came across a YouTube video about, you know, build your own arrows. <laughs> so I go, man, I, I got a bow here. I haven't shot in a while cause I didn't have any arrows, you know? So I made my own arrows and, and, um, uh, and, 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 and it just uh, evolved after that. And um, I don't know. It, it, I've always been in, 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 interested in, in doing the muzzle loading thing. And um, uh, sooner or later, I, uh, I don't know, I started building them probably about uh, a year ago, maybe two years ago now. And it all came because I wanted to get a gun for myself, but I didn't want to spend the money to buy the gun. And um, I looked into... Uh, purchasing a kit, uh, one of these, uh, you know, track of the wolf, uh, kits and, um, built my first gun. It was a Northwest trade gun. I still have it. And, um, I found that even though it was challenging at times, it was very satisfying, rewarding to me to actually have that thing and build it and, and shoot it and take game with it. And, um, you know, when, when I started building these muzzle loaders, I didn't really do it in, in with the mind of uh you know selling them you know just the same thing with the bows i go who would want to buy a bow for me same thing with the muzzle loaders. i go who who would want to buy a muzzle loader for me so a, a, as a um as a uh a way of sharing that i would just take pictures of of the builds that i do you know and and sooner or later some this guy one guy from a, a museum contacted me and he wanted he was asking me all these questions about these guns and uh, and my bows as well. I had made some bows for him too earlier, and he contacted me again, wanted another bow. But um, we were talking about muzzle loaders, and you know he was uh, wanting me to make a muzzle loader from for him. So I made one, and then he ordered another one. He ordered four guns from me, one right after the other. Wow! And uh, you know I was getting good at building them, so. Uh, you know, I, I made a YouTube video of a build-along, and in fact, that first kit that I made, that Northwest Trade Gun, is on my YouTube channel. It's like a 21-part series on there, how, how I built that thing. And, um, mm -hmm. and uh, he, so he bought guns from me, and uh, he started posting them on Facebook. And just like the bows, you know, with, with this uh, social media, people become interested, and they want to buy one too. 
and then I sold another one. I've got right now. I've got eight guns sitting on the bench waiting to be built. Yeah, I just shipped one out last week. Shipped another one out this week. I'm working on a uh, what they call a uh, canoe gun. It's like a sawed-off uh, 20 gauge, you know, flintlock. And um, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I've got eight guns sitting on the uh, on the bench right now, just waiting to be built. So it's it's been uh, it's been very, very uh, busy for me as far as the gun building is concerned. It's very rewarding. It's very satisfying to me to be able to do that. And then the same thing like the bows, you know, it's, it's uh, the appreciation and the uh, satisfaction that you get from, from the client on the other end who, who receives it and um, are just so happy about, about it, you know. And I'm saying to myself, I go, man, you know, that's, that's awesome, you know. For all of you out there who have purchased a bow from me or have purchased a gun from me, I really do appreciate your uh, your business. It's a uh, it's a whole doing the bows and the guns has opened up a whole world of contacts of people like you guys. You know, people that I've known all that I knew you know meet and know through throughout the entire country, and um, I consider you all a part of my family and. Uh, you're all part of the Cashduck clan. There you go. So um, it's been been really it's been really 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 a good experience for me. I've not had a bad experience with any any client or any anything that I've done for anybody. It's it's uh, it's it's really opened up a, a whole uh, new world for me as far as uh, uh, doing all this. Well, stuff, I'm lucky because you know? I I get to be the only one that can say thank you or or you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> do Steve was the first do one. You, um, Steve was so the do first you, one. Do you build all of the? I know you have several different models, and we we can talk about the different yeah. models a little bit. But do you do you pretty much do all of those from kits from Track of the Wolf, or do you use use other? I use I I Track of the Wolf was the first uh, company that I used, but there are other companies out there. I've hooked up uh, with with this other company. Um, that's been uh, selling me, and, and the only reason why is because he's a really good guy, um, very personable guy, and uh, I've come to to uh, uh, you know build a good relationship with him, and, and he's uh, he's uh, been able to uh, turn around the kits. Now these kits, you know, when people hear kit, the word kit, they they think it's a you just put them all together, just like a model airplane. You know, you got a book of instructions. I don't think that, but I know a, a lot, lot of people, people do. do. And I, I don't, I don't really like that word kit. But, but yes, they bought you. It, it, what, what it is? It's a bag of parts that 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 all match right. the certain time period that were used to build that particular gun, so that you don't have to go out and piece part every little thing. And and you know, they, they, you want to build a Tennessee long rifle. You know, you want to build a Northwest trade gun. You want to build a fusil to chase French gun. You know, this is the stock, and these are all the parts that came with it. They literally send you a bag of parts, no instructions. You know, and, and, and you might have some pictures that you might have seen on, on uh, you know, on the Internet of what one looks like, but that's pretty much it. Um, and all of the other gunsmithing-type uh skills you need to have there, there's no there's they, they don't tell you how to do all that stuff you got to know it you know you can buy books and stuff like that like you know drilling and tapping holes and soldering metal and, and and doing inletting and things but 
None of none of those instructions come with the kits. I mean, you you are definitely building a gun when you get those kits. Probably the only thing that that's pre-done for you is is the uh, the rough shaping of the buttstock because every buttstock has its own unique. Uh, every style has its unique shape of buttstock, and the uh, the ramrod right. and the barrel channel are already. Uh, dug out for you you know sometimes you got to do some final inletting to get that barrel to sit in there right but uh but all the other stuff all the holes uh, you know all the inletting for all the metal even the metal too is all cast you know as cast it's not finished you got to polish it up and and sand it down you got to finish it blue it brown it do whatever you got to do um there's there's at least 60 to 80 hours of work needs to be done uh to build a, a a gun you know and and that's sixty to eighty hours of work for someone who's done it oh, yeah. a few times. I would imagine if you the first one it was probably a like oh, double yeah. that. It, it took months to get that done. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. I, I, in fact, I just uh, this one I, I just got through finished building a uh, what they call it an early Hawken rifle. This guy had it. He bought it. He bought the kit, I, I believe, from Dixie Gunworks. And he's been sitting in his garage for for 12 years. And uh, he got to a certain mm-hmm. point. He couldn't do it. <laughs> he just was at a standstill as far as his own skills was concerned. And uh, he finally sent it to me, and I had it built, turned around in a couple of weeks. <laughs> you know? But the, the, the bottom line is, you know, it was still a challenge to build because I had never built a Hawken before. You know, there, there's always different things uh, with each style of gun that, that are unique to that particular gun. And, um, you know, most of the guns that I built are, uh, you know, I, I had to build the first one first. <laughs> and, uh, and once you've built one, you know, you can apply what you've learned to the rest of them. But it's, it's having a good understanding of all the different styles, the historical, uh, you know, somebody wants to buy a gun, they're going to spend $1,500 with you. Um, it's got to be what, it, what they perceive it, you know, for that time period, you know, they're, they're looking for a, a certain look. A lot of these reenactors are out there wanting a certain type of gun, certain look. And um, you just have to know, you know, you just have to know that stuff. You know, it only comes from, from self-research and, um, you know, experience in, in doing what you're doing, you know. Now, and I do know, and I've, because I've, I've followed your Facebook page for so long, um, I've seen a lot of the photos that you've posted of these, yeah. of these black powder rifles, and they're absolutely beautiful. Um, I was going to ask you, though, do you, do you typically um, do bluing on most of these? Or are you browning the rifle, the barrels and parts? Or is it, is it subject to what the customer wants? Or do you try to match? The time period, how do you go about that? Um, usually it's what the, the, the client uh, wants. Um, what I try to do is um, it, it, bluing. It's not the dark black blue like you see on modern rifles. It's more like a, right, like a right. grayish. It's a chemical yeah, it's blue. it's more like a grayish, a, a grayish blue, you know. And um, mm-hmm. that's, the, what I, that's what usually comes with the rifles, which, are, which is a period correct um, finish on there. And then I do brown them on occasion. Uh, usually I charge a little bit more to brown because to brown it, it's like a three-day process. But um, uh, browning is also a period correct uh, a means of uh, finishing the barrel. And it's usually, uh, you know, based on whatever the client wants to have. Um, uh, lately, I've been doing the, uh, the gray uh, 
patina type uh, finish, you know, where 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 um, usually, uh, like especially with military arms, the the, the steel is left uh, bright, you know, um, just just uh, with no finish on it, just just polished, really shiny. And over the years, um, through use and um, you know just just age, uh, the steel becomes a gray and a patina type uh, gray finish. And um, right. uh, but I've got uh, solutions here that. Um, that put that gray finish on there so so it looks aged but well taken care of you know i do i do and i'm i, I the, part of the reason i asked that and i, I keep saying i'm gonna i'm gonna get with you and uh I, i'll end up getting you to build a gun for me at some point it's just <laughs> it's right now yeah sure I, it's something that i yeah. know i want to do again but it it just yeah. hasn't the, the the fever really hasn't hit me yet but i know it's coming because that's I've I've talked about it on this on the podcast several times that if I ever if I ever wanted to hunt with anything other than a bow again it would be a a flintlock uh, and I want one of the 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 poor boy rifles is what I want and those typically had the 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 brown uh, finish instead of the bluing but yeah the most most of the rifles uh, I built are poor boy style in other words they don't have the brass it's all right. steel it's, there's no brass fittings on there or anything like that. Um, there's no fancy wood carvings or anything like that. Um, uh, it's just a basic gun. You know, back in the day, you know, most people could only afford to buy one gun, and usually it was a uh, it was a smoothbore uh, fouling piece mm-hmm. um, because uh, you know you could take small game as well as big game. You could load shot or ball, right. and um, uh, that was the most popular white rifle uh, gun back in those times. And then, of course. When the when the rifles came out, uh, you know people wanted to use the rifles too. But uh, typically, the the most popular one was a smoothbore uh, muzzleloader, and um, uh, th- that's the majority of what I sell. Ha- what I've been selling uh, the last few months has been uh, smoothbores. I I do uh, have a couple of uh, rifles sitting on the bench, but most of them are all smoothbores. And uh, even when I'm building a gun, I always try to sneak in something of mine in there too. You know, something that that uh, says that's a cash stick gun. In fact, I'm coming out with my own uh, muzzle loading design here pretty soon. I'm going to be uh, putting that on the website too. It's called the Cash Stick Fowler. It'll look every it'll look every bit as as a uh, traditional style flintlock would look, but it's just got a couple of things in there you don't see everywhere else. Uh, different types of uh, of uh, uh, components that I'm using that are uh, unique to uh, the Kashtuk style. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be my next uh, thing I'm working on right now. I've I've already sold a few of those rifles that I've uh, designed with uh, clients who have uh, purchased them, and um, I'm going to stick with that design and, and come out with my own Kashtuk uh, Fowler. Uh, Piece so like when you order Castric Fowler, that's what you're gonna get. Yeah, I that's always awesome. try to somehow try to put my my style in there somehow. But uh, with with a with a uh, muzzleloader that you know historical muzzleloader, you know they, they they want they want it to look you know exact in a whole lot of ways. But there is some leeway in in every gun that you build where you can put your own uh, personal touches on there and. Um, 
I always try to do that with every gun that I build. Well, that's and in my opinion, if you're trying to be, you know, yeah. period correct, that's that's the way it should be. I mean, it wasn't like you had all these, you know, you didn't have Remington and Winchester back in those days. Yeah, you didn't was, have you didn't have a uh, production right. lines and uh, you know, they all did all that. They did all their gun building without electricity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and um, it was all done by hand. So there's always some. Something in there that, uh, you know, you make a mistake, you got to do what you can to fix it. But that's the mark of a good gun, gun maker is being able to hide your mistakes. <laughs> well, you're not supposed to tell people that when you're selling them guns. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there, 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 there's, there, there's a, uh, and that's when you learn the most is by making uh, errors and uh, being able to deal with those errors. Cause you know what? You never make that same mistake twice. But there's a, there's still a whole bunch of other places sure. to make a mistake. Pretty soon I'll have them all covered. <laughs> so which do um, which do you prefer making more, Henry? Bows or the, you know what the, the the black powder guns? I have to say that I'm equally I I, I you know why? Because when I'm building a bow and when I'm building a gun, I'm in that state of mind building this bow. I want that bow to be as good as I could build it. And, um, and at that point in time, that's, that's my life. You know, I, I, I'm, you know, I, 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 I enjoy building bows and I enjoy building guns. And um, I don't think the end result is, I, I guess you could say that I, I'm a little bit partial to the guns because there's a lot of mechanics that are going on in there to get that gun to work. And uh, I just like the mechanics of of a flintlock, you know, all all, mm-hmm. all the different components, even the, the the even loading it, you know, you have to pour the powder, you measure the powder, put it in the barrel, take the stick, ram it down, you know, patch the ball, cut it with the knife, do all that kind of stuff. Just this just the the, the aspect of loading the gun, you know, has always been appealing to me. But but bows, I. I you know, I, when I'm building a bow, I, you know, I, I, I'm enjoying myself while I'm doing it and uh, seeing a, the end result, a, a simple piece of wood and being able to uh, uh, bring, bring that to life, as it were. Um, I just like, I, I like doing them all. I like, I like doing all of them, everything. It's just. Do you, do you find yourself um, where you have to be in a, a- do you do you find yourself in certain moods to build one or the other on certain days, or is it just about what the customer wants? It's uh, usually what the customer wants. You know, they'll. I'll, I'll, in fact, as I'm sitting here talking to you, some guy just PayPal'd me money to, for another bow. <laughs> My phone's going off, but um, uh, it's 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 more like the anticipation of what this is going to turn out as. You know, um, like I said. W- don't get me wrong when i'm building a gun and i get an order for a bow i'm going man now i got to put all this stuff away and get on this bow because i can't i got to get this bow done so i can have more time to work on this rifle so now i now i'm I'm switching gears i've got one bench and i've got it set up for building this rifle now this guy is ordering a bow i'm not going to make him wait six weeks for me to finish this gun until he gets his bow i'm you know he's a customer i gotta i gotta i gotta move you know so now I got to put my gun away, all the stuff, and rearrange sure. my desk, my my bench to be a bow build, a boyer's bench instead of a gunmaker's bench. So that that gets a little bit uh, cumbersome, and vice versa as well, you know. 
But uh, I guess I could say that I enjoyed, I don't want to say enjoy, but the reason why I like to build guns is because, yeah, I got to get them done. I got a certain time frame, I got to get them done, but it takes a lot longer. You have a lot more time to get them done. But with a bow, you know, it takes me a week to make a bow. And, and I want to get that thing done over with and out the door so I can get back to building my gun. Because, you know, it's all, it's all I guess, a matter of time frame. Whatever the, whatever the thing is that I got to get done first, that's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> you know, because while, while I'm doing because while I'm doing it, I mean, I'm in, I'm in, I'm, I'm in the zone and I'm doing it. I'm not thinking about anything else because I'm, you know, I, I, you, I know that you guys have built bows and if you're distracted, your bows, it's not right. going to come out. It's not going to come out. You know, when I say distracted, I, I, I don't mean, I mean, I don't know what I mean. You know, being, being someone that makes things, and uh, especially someone that I know that I'm going to be giving it to somebody, you know, you just can't be, uh, you can't be distracted. And I think that when, I, when I'm making a bow or making a gun and I, 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 have, I now have to stop doing that because I have to do this other thing, to me, that's a, that's a distraction. But while I'm doing that other thing, I'm doing it 100%. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, yeah, I don't know how to explain it. I'm sorry. But <laughs> no, I, I'm the same exact. I'm the same exact way, especially when I write. I I I get real snappy when I write because if anybody's messing with me and I'm trying to finish a thought, I don't take well with it. And you're you're talking you're talking about switching from a firearm, you know, something that can explode to a bow, you know, which I guess a bow can explode, but I mean the precision. I mean, I think it would be hard to switch that in your mind. Uh, you know, just like, oh, I'm going to get into this mode now. I could, like, I wouldn't be able to do that. Like, if I'm if I'm stuck in at work, even if I'm working on a project that's primarily like a website or something, like I'm totally focused on that. Then if you ask me to look at like a printed yeah, piece it is. And, and, and get and creative, the, yeah, flopping between the two is just like, all right, well, hold on, I'm going to have to clear everything that was in my brain and move on uh-huh. to this. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's it's just I would say that I'm not really partial to one or the other. I mean I I like doing both of them. Mm-hmm. And um, the only thing that I, I dislike is being interrupted or distracted while I'm working. And uh, if I'm working on a bow and I'm distracted because now you know I don't know I got, I got to get back on this gun. And I know I got to get back on that gun. I'm thinking to myself about guns while I'm making a bow. I got to put the thing away and just not work until I get my mind back on that bow again, you know. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm working on a gun, same thing. I got to get this guy's bow done, but I'm, you know, I, I, I got to get this one more thing done on this gun before I can get started on that bow. To me, that's a distraction. But once I get that bow in, I'm a, I'm I'm 100% on that bow, mm-hmm. you know. And um, it may be you know, a couple of hours a day, you know, that I'm working on one thing or another, but, uh, cause you know, I have a life too and I have a regular job, um, that, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's just hard to, uh, focus and having to focus and refocus when you're being distracted from any particular. Sure. Project. So that first, that first gun that you made, did you, did you have that thought when you uh, first put everything down the barrel and got ready to fire it? Like, Oh man, here we go. Like did you get you get a little a little bit of <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, not 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 really because you know why? Because I I built it and I know how the guns work. I know how they work and I know that um, 
I, the thought didn't cross my mind that it would blow up or anything like that. You know, it, it all depends on how much powder you put down sure. the barrel. <laughs> but I know, I know, you know, all the parts that I use. You know, the barrel, the the, the lock, and you know, all of the the main components of the gun. They're all American made by reputable mm-hmm. makers. You know, you know, they're they're not you know foreign made barrels or anything like that. I mean, these these are barrels from companies that have been in business forever. You know, same thing with the locks and and uh, all of the things that they uh, uh, make and the things that I use are all American-made, high-quality stuff. So I had no 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 worries that any of those components were going to fail. Um, I was just worried that uh, you know I soldered the sights on straight, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, uh, you know it shot the way I was expecting it to shoot, and it did. I took a couple of quail and some rabbits with that thing, and um, it's cool, you know. Um, but I, I had no worries at all that the thing would blow up. You know, it, you know, black powder. Every every time you shoot a black powder gun, you're doing a reload. You're doing a hand load for mm-hmm. that. You know, for every every time you shoot it, because you're 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 pouring free powder down the bore, and um, uh, so it, you know, it, it, as long as you don't put too much powder, you don't fool around too much with your loads. Uh, you'll be okay. You'll be safe, especially with uh, with these older guns. You know. Well, yeah, and it sounds like you really, I mean, you really got it. Well, you're a passionate guy anyway, Henry. <laughs> I mean, you're obviously you're passionate about doing all of this stuff, but the way you've been talking about shooting quail and stuff with this black powder gun, I got to ask you, like, so what do you enjoy hunting with more? And if you had your choice, what would it be? Black powder or uh, You know what? I have enjoyed uh, the black powder. not I wouldn't say more. I've enjoyed success more with the black powder because of the fact that I had more opportunities to hunt different types of game with it. You know, um, sure. I, I take my bow out to go rabbit hunting, but you know, I hardly ever get anything, you know, I'll see something I'll miss. Um, uh, and it's not so much, uh, you know, the killing that's, that's, uh, important is being out there, you know? Um, but, uh, I've had more success with my black powder gun because I've, I've been able to use it on multiple, uh, different in, in different, uh, situations, you know? Um, but I do like bow hunting. I love bow hunting. If I had a choice between rifle hunting and bow hunting, I would do, choose bow hunting. Um, but, uh, during the, 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 uh, the year, you know, small game, you know, is open year round and you can go, you know, uh, jackrabbit hunting, you know, mm-hmm. so like if I want to do something real quick, go out in the weekend and take, I, I would usually bring my flintlock with me, but now, now it's getting harder and harder because now they've outlawed lead in California. So I got to use non lead pellets and things like that. But now, how does that, how does that affect the, the, the metal in the barrels of the guns that you're, you're making? I mean, well, I'm, the, the, uh, the ammunition that I use is, uh, it's called a ITX uh, shot, and uh, I think they have a they, they have a website. It's, that's how I found them, and uh, their uh, non lead ammo is uh, equivalent to lead. It's got the same ballistics, and it won't hurt your uh, hurt your barrel. You know, okay. you, you know, with these older, you know, the the type of material that they use for muzzle loaders. Sure. And um, you know, because I've got an old side by side shotgun, twelve gauge that I have. It's a Beretta that I can't shoot steel shot out of because it'll ruin the inside of the barrel. So I have to use that bismuth or, or, uh, or that other stuff, but, or this ITX stuff. Um, but uh, I think last year was the last year we were able to hunt dove 
um, I think dove was the last thing that you were legally able to hunt with a lead lead shot. So um, that was it. I've got a side by side. I'll have to take some pictures of and send you. I've never shot it, never will shoot it, but it's a, a side by side sixteen gauge uh, Damascus steel. Oh yeah, man! I love those side by sides. That's that my 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 side by side is my favorite uh, shotgun to use, and uh, I just like it. You know, I, I I just like breaking that action open, loading in the shells. You know, it's got the ejectors, not it's got the uh, extractors, not the ejectors. So you got to pull right, the. Right pull the shells out after you've shot and and i like that better too because you don't have to pick them up off the ground <laughs> right you know so uh yeah I, I like a nice side by side i like my muzzle loaders and i like my bows you know they're 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 just uh i like the you know I, handguns i like single actions i like lever action rifles you know so it's uh, i like all that old old school stuff the, the mechanics of them and the way they work the way they have to work before you can pull that trigger you know it's just uh uh just really appealing to me you know yeah and i i guess i just i i did so much hunting with that stuff you know throughout the years i, I yeah i still love it i still enjoy getting out and shooting yeah but and, i have and, no desire to hunt with a, a regular yeah. firearm just none yeah um and I hunted with rifles and and handguns for years, um, and I, I mean that doesn't bother me that other people do. I I get it. I I used to enjoy the heck out of it when I was doing it. It just it's just something that doesn't appeal to me at all anymore. Yeah, it, it, uh, it never really appealed to me too. I mean, I used to rifle hunt back in the day, but uh, you know, on top of being because we we hunt public land out here and being Southern California, there's you know there's a hunter behind every bush practically during rifle season. You see them just lined up on the side of the road going up the trail and stuff but um yeah ever since i got into bow hunting you know i don't even think about doing rifle but the thing is my my kids just in fact i gave my 30 odd six to my son (laughs) and um and they went and turned around and bought me a new rifle this year so i brought it out rifle during rifle season this year but um uh bow i i've never had the the uh, urge to go rifle hunting you know it's uh it's just the the bow hunting experience being able to go out there and when we go out hunting you know it's not a couple of hours a day it's you know we go and we spend the night we'll spend two nights we're hiking in with the backpacks we're hiking in you know miles and um it's hard hunting out here but i i i enjoy doing that with the bow because for whatever reasons, it's it's just uh, I don't know. It's just it's just it just it just puts you in nature at that moment. For I don't I don't I don't know how to explain it. It's just it's just you know you're out there you're camping you know and you're walking around you're still hunt. I love doing the still hunt thing you know, spotting stock and, and getting on them and, and just trying to it, it, rather than sitting back from two hundred yards and, and shooting them you know. I wouldn't mind doing that either, but (laughs) there's something about the bow and just having to be really quiet, you know, and just walking through the woods and just being super quiet. You know, the slightest sound you hear, the slightest smell Mm -hmm. you you smell, you know, you're looking at the tracks, you you know, yeah, you got your binoculars on, but you know, you're, you're, you're just like, you're, 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 you're at one with your surroundings, you know, it's just different. I do. I do. Mm-hmm. Well, Hendry, we've uh, we said we weren't going to keep you over an hour and a half, and we're getting close to an hour and a half. So um, I guess really? we're going to wrap. Yeah, it we like really are. like fifteen minutes. 
we're gonna we're gonna wrap this thing up so you can get back and sounds like you got some customers you need to make happy before oh, christmas yeah, they, rolls around they've got uh i yeah i just mentioned i just got another bow over here you know my i this uh cell phone stuff here is pretty cool because now usually i usually have to just sit at my desk and get on the internet and do all that stuff but now i got this fancy schmancy iphone here and i do literally everything from this phone that's with me all the time and i'm always on it that's a distraction too but Anyway, it's all good. I, I really enjoy it. I really enjoyed uh, uh, your interest in having me on your show. And, um, yeah, anytime you guys want to talk about muzzleloaders or bows, just let me know, man. I'll, I'll talk to anybody about anything. We'll definitely do so. And, and hopefully one day we'll yeah. we'll get to run across, you know, our paths will cross somewhere in a, a hunting camp or something. I don't make it out to California often. I try to stay away from it. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're trying to get out of here, too, man. It's I always call it. This is the left coast, you know. But that's another uh, that's another conversation there. But anyway, you know, I'm all for it. Second Amendment, you know, hunting. I'm, I'm just in the wrong state. That's all. You guys got what? Twelve deer per season. You guys can take twenty. No, no we, it's, uh, so yeah. I can I can do 10, 10, 10 does and two bucks if I wanted to. Yeah, see, ours is one one deer per one or you can get two deers per per year, and they've got to be four torn or better. And um, they have doe hunts, but they're far away. And, um, yeah, it's just not as uh, – there's not a lot of opportunity out here. But there, there's a lot of hunting days. But, you know, you just got to spend time out in the field to go, you know. And um, Well, sure. I tell you to go visit Steve, but that ain't going to be any better for you. <laughs> might be good for him. Not, probably not so good for you. We'd have to drive out there because I'm bringing my meat back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that'd be a long drive for sure there. And I don't as long as you're not a as long as you're not a bad luck charm, I don't think it would be a problem. Nick Nick just seems to have a an Yeah, Hendry would Hendry Hendry'd probably tag out. <laughs> and then I just and then I'd just be sad. <laughs> Within fifteen minutes. I don't know, he gets man. You know, that, that's why they call it hunting. I'm I'm a, I'm forever hunting. <laughs> you know? Well, it's the killing that I'm, I, <laughs> and, and I give I give Nick a hard time, but you know, anytime you try to go out of state and you've only got a couple of days, I mean, every time Nick's come out here, and it, well, except for mm-hmm. one time that you've come out here to hunt, you're basically getting you know two two and a half days of hunting in, and that's that's tough uh, anywhere. Yeah, it's uh, a lottery ticket, man. I mean, it it really is. I mean, you can do as much as you want, but I mean, same as you going out west, Steve. I mean, you. All the all the knowledge, uh, yeah. yeah you're, th- you're there for a finite part of time, and and not only uh, you're there hunting, but you're also in the back of your mm-hmm. mind feeling the pressure. That yeah, yeah that's there's perform. a lot on the line, and there's a lot there's a lot that needs to line up. Yeah, I mean, exactly. just I mean, yeah. literally, you're looking for really? perfect scenarios, mm-hmm. basically. Hmm. So it's and you know what's what's funny about that is is you you know you said your the pressure's on you. That's the one thing I will say. Uh, hunting out west, I I had I did not feel at all, and it was really kind of surprising. You know, if I go if I go up to you know I've hunted Michigan, I've hunted Indiana, I've hunted some some eastern states for whitetails, and I do always feel that sense of pressure. I've only got so much, you know, I've only got a few days. It never crossed my mind in Wyoming, it, I, and I think it's honestly there's just so much to take in. Oh, I saw that, I s- Yeah, I saw that pronghorn you took. That one. that was a nice. That was yeah, a nice and we went. There. So we, me and Tom, went this year for mule deer, and you know, we neither one of us were successful. But man, we had a we had a heck of a trip. And honestly, I didn't. 
I don't think I once, even the last day, I don't think I felt any, any pressure about, I've got to, you know, I've got to do something. It's, you know, it's zero hour. It was just, I, I think a lot of that has to do also is if you're, uh, also, um, you know, you're going out there and hunting stuff, but if you're also occupied with other things, like, you know, when I went to Washington and like I said, that was the first time that I've ever gone out of state to do that sort of thing. But I felt some kind of pressure because, uh, you know, I didn't want to have to come back, tell everybody I didn't get anything. <laughs> but uh, uh, while we were out there, I, I more, of a, more or less saw it as a vacation. You know, I was out there having a good time. You know, I, I was out there with my friend and uh, my son was out there with me and we were just out there having a good time. And yeah, we're hunting too. But um, because of the, like you're saying, you know, you didn't feel the pressure when you're out here or when you're out in Wyoming. But if you're occupied doing other things, uh, sometimes that pressure is relieved because you're still having a good time, you know. And yep. um, uh, But if you're going out there with the sole purpose of hunting and you're going to be hunting 12 hours a day, five days a week, and you're, going, you're coming back Saturday, you know, and that's all you're doing is hunting all day long, uh, then you might feel the pressure as the days go by. <laughs> but, but if you're there and you're, you're doing other things, uh, you know. I got my deer on the second day, so I had four days to relax <laughs> so i guess i shouldn't talk right, about right. pressure because i really didn't have any either <laughs> well and like i said normally I, I let my i let the pressure get to me but out there it's just i think there's just it, you just i can't be stressed in that state uh, or anywhere out west it's just i just i love it but uh anyway we need to i guess we need to to wrap up here nick you you got anything you wanted to add before we before we close up shop here nope thank you for coming on hendry and being such an energetic positive guy and we'd love talking to you yeah thanks a lot and uh, again you know thank you guys for showing the interest in having me on i really appreciate it and um i look forward to talking to either of you guys about anything later on absolutely and i'm sorry it took so long i know we i've been kind of pinging you about this for probably six or eight <laughs> months now but uh no no worries brother no worries well well hendry i hope you have a a merry christmas and a very prosperous new year oh same to you same to you guys uh yeah i really appreciate it and for everyone else listening since this one will drop right before uh new year's day we wish the same for all of our listeners we hope 2019 is a great year for you and we look forward to having us join us for future episodes in the coming year take care everyone <laughs>